Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Trashy Royals. Thanks for joining us. I'm Alicia. I'm Stacy. We are continuing with our season 10 bonus Wednesday episodes for your trash candy monarchy loving hearts. <laughs> or monarchy hating hearts. We don't know. Well, this week, we'll let you decide. We're going to have a word about the Prince of Wales, two mm-hmm. specific ones, two of the longest reigning princes of Wales. <laughs> Maybe another additional word about country house parties Hmm. and mistresses as well. What is the Prince of Wales? It is the title that is given to the British heir apparent. This tradition has been going on since 1301, when Fast Eddie I, Edward I, invests his son Edward with the title. It is a long-standing tradition. Prince of Wales, that's the heir apparent. That's the runner-up, batter-up. Next guy next, in line. Next king on deck, yeah. Sometimes it goes great. Sometimes doesn't go great at all. See War of the Roses. Sometimes time goes by very quickly as you are waiting to not wait long at all to ascend to your position. And sometimes time crawls along at a very, very slow pace. Which brings us to our episode today. Two princes are two longest serving princes of Wales recorded in history with quite a lot in common. Makes sense. They are related. First up, Edward VII. Fast Eddie Seven, Birdie to his friends when he okay. was the Prince of Wales. Son of Victoria, Queen Victoria. You got it. Okay. Son of Queen Vicky. Birdie is going to hold on to the Prince of Wales title for 60 years. <laughs> I think you mean Victoria is going to hang on to life. <laughs> yeah, she's not happy with her heir apparent. Oh, uh. 60 years, Bertie has the Prince of Wales title before the passing of his mother, Queen Victoria. Prince Charles receives his formal Prince of Wales title investiture pomp and circumstance ceremony in July of 1958, leaving Prince Charles the longest serving Prince of Wales in British history. Healthcare's really come a long way. Coming in at 63 years and counting. Prince Charles is the great-grandson of Edward VII, because inherited titles work that way. But in an unusual twist of the time-space vortex, Edward VII's favorite married lady is the great-great-grandmother of Camilla, the current Duchess of Cornwall, and Prince Charles's wife, and famously involved in one of the world's best-known love triangles, but kind of really a quadrangle. This story's going to go places. Okay. Princes, country house parties. Let's do this. Because it's Bertie, when he is Prince of Wales, who will make popular the country house party. And once that first country house party goes so great, and aristocratic women pop out the first son and heir, apparently everybody gets it on with everyone. And Bertie did. He is rumored to have over 55 lovers and mistresses in his lifetime but I'm getting ahead of myself. Albert, Bertie, who will be Eddie the Seven, born in 1841. He's the first son and second child of Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. Good times. There's a lot of pressure on Bertie to succeed. I do not want to spend an inordinate amount of time on stuff that's not trashy. So the things I need you to know about Bertie. He is charming and he becomes a lot of fun Once he gets outside of his parents' influence, he is popular with the ladies, if you know what I mean. 
Queen Victoria thinks he is perfectly unfit for rule, and their acrimony is going to be cemented through Bertie's early playboy days. When he's about 19, Bertie is having a dalliance with actress Nellie Clifton. Mom and dad, Vicky and Al, not happy. Prince Albert, even though he is sick, is going to travel to Bertie, his son, in Ireland to scold him, admonish him, like, I, I don't know, monarchs as parents, right? But yeah. Prince Albert goes, and on the voyage back from the scolding admonishment thing, Prince Albert contracts typhoid fever and dies the following week. And Queen Victoria will never forgive Bertie for the loss of her beloved spouse. She blames him the rest of her life. I mean, I feel like that's fairly par for the course for the royal family. So not a great start. We got 40 years to go. Oh, great. Yeah. So Queen Victoria, after this, is unpleased. She will arrange a marriage for Bertie to Princess Alexandra of Denmark. She's a very quiet girl. She's partially deaf. She will have six children in the marriage with Bertie, but most all of that time, Bertie is playing around and Princess Alexandra knows it. She's a silent sufferer throughout most of the next decades. Because no, that's how they like it. Yeah, that's there's how no they like it. stopping Playboy Prince who is scandalizing Victorian society. His nicknames at the time, Edward the Caresser, Dirty Birdie. Mm, good. That's good. a good one. Yeah. Dirty Birdie is known to favor Parisian brothels. In one of those, just specially for him, he has a copper bathtub that he will fill with champagne and sex workers. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. He also has a custom-made sex lay chair thing hmm. kept at that same brothel. I mean, hey, if you know what you like. Let's get it on. At the Moulin Rouge, they will call Bertie Kingy, <laughs> K-I-N-G-Y, Kingy. Mm-hmm. Even at his coronation in 1901, when he is 59 years old, 60 years old, there's a special bench reserved right there for all the king's special ladies. <sighs> it's scandalous, but mm-hmm. I guess being prince is good. So Bertie has a lot of fun. Besides numerous brief sexual encounters with previous said Parisian brothels, there are a number of special married ladies that Bertie is going to include in his mistress loop throughout time with those wild country house parties. Because Princess Alexandra and he host the wild house parties. Because if they have them, all the other people in the set begin to have them. And now... There are lots of bedrooms to trade in and out of on the countryside. Princess Alex, often not in a mood to party down. Remember, she's pregnant six times. Some of Bertie's more notorious mistresses include the dramatic actress, Sarah Bernhardt, one of our March heiresses, Lady Randolph Churchill, also known as Jenny Jerome, mother of Winston. Okay, now Jenny Jerome's husband, Randolph, gets so mad about the affair that he finds out that Jenny and Bertie are having that Randolph will attempt to blackmail Bertie when he finds out about the affair. Oh, no. Well, Bertie gets mad. You ready for what he does? 
I counter-challenge you to a duel. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you can't shoot the Prince of Wales. Yeah, well, yeah, the duel does not take place, although Randolph will, for his part, get exiled (laughs) over to Ireland for about six years. So there's that. Oh, a little something else trashy. Birdie is called into court as a named counter-respondent for the trashy divorce of Lady Harriet Mordaunt. Lady Harriet claims that Bertie is the father of her daughter. And it's trashy and sad because poor Harriet, for bringing the secret out into the open, gets slung up in private homes, seclusion, and institutions for the remainder of her life for like 36 years. She's locked away. She's just too dangerous to have out there for the Prince of Wales and future king. So Bertie's favorite mistress and one of the longest lasting, the one who is held in esteem above all others, is a lady named Alice Keppel. We have she she has popped up in our show from time to time. A few times. And her descendants as well. That is correct. Um her daughter, I believe, was great friends with Vita Sackville West. That's true. And kept traipsing off to Paris in Vita's company. The whole world mm. is a trashy mm. spider web. It's a lovely, lovely thing. Go ahead. So Alice Frederica Keppel, she's known as Freddie to her family and friends. She's a little younger than her prince by about 26 years. Okay. She's born in 1868. She's the daughter of a baronet. And she is known as one of the most beautiful women floating around in what is called the Naughty 90s set. Of course it was. Freddie is the ideal physical beauty for a certain set. She has a tiny waist and a big bust and dark hair and blue eyes and alabaster skin. And Freddie will marry George Keppel and have two kids. Things are fine. The age of 29, though, Freddie will meet the 56-year-old Prince of Wales, Bertie. And as we all know, the heart wants what the heart wants. Now, by the age of 56, Queen Victoria has disapproved of her son, Bertie, now for decades. (laughs) And as largely popular as he is with the public, Queen Victoria gives Bertie no real role in the running of the government or preparation on how things go when he's going to take over. So Bertie, a little time on his hands, is delighted to fall in love with the beautiful Freddie. Much to the knowledge, approval, and benefit for her husband, George, who will just scuttle off when the prince comes to visit his wife for liaisons. Bertie and Alice Couples' affair lasts from 1898 to Bertie's passing in 1910. Bertie's providing for her financially. He's going to hook George up with a better job. And in the most unusual twist of fate, Princess Alexandra likes her. Freddie has influence in the court with his ministers who will use her to coerce Bertie in pillow talk kind of ways to a certain point once he does become king. I think they probably use the word influence rather than coerce, but... Not pillow talk. They probably use the word pillow talk. Freddie's a power player. Mm -hmm. She's also got some power jewelry. Bertie loves to buy her pieces and engrave them. And hell, it's probably pretty good to be the mistress of a king sometimes but the thing is freddie is trusted she is a proper mistress she keeps her mouth shut she's very discreet she never puts a toe out of line freddie knows there is a proper protocol that goes along with that royal mistress 
title, Freddie sets the bar pretty high. Princess Alexandra will invite Freddie to the bedside of Bertie when he's dying. That's how much they yeah. mean to each other. Freddie will say she's Bertie's soulmate. No offense to the queen, but that's how it's done. Yeah, like, I mean, marry for duty, whatever for love. Them's the rules. So discreet is Freddie. She will remark on the abdication of Edward VIII, Fast Eddie Eight, to Mary Wallace Simpson. She will say, things were done much better in my day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were, Freddie. Because once Bertie dies in 1910, the evidence of their affair, wherever it is found by the palace, is destroyed. But the whole countryside knows and remembers this affair. It is legendary in the country house party set. Yeah, like Freddie like left London for two years to mourn uh, when he died. I mean, it was this was Sad. a very it was a very mm -hmm. publicly acknowledged thing. Hey, everybody yeah. knows that country house party set does persevere and continues the country house parties. Allegedly, the first thing that Camilla says to Charles is, "My great grandmother was the <laughs> mistress of your great great grandfather." So how about it? It's not exactly Shakespeare there, but they were about it. I so mean, it all goes down how it goes down that you think you know, or is that the way it really went down? So let's spin our trashy little tale over here to Prince Charles. Chuck. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because the thing that Prince Charles and Camilla love is this link that is between them. They are fated. They are destined. And Prince Charles has made it a habit to scour the world for any jewelry or mementos with connections to that grand love affair that happened between Bertie and Freddie, their grandparent relations. It's kind of sweet, really, right? It is. It's also slightly weird, but, you know. And if you think... 
that Prince Charles had been able to make his own decision for love-based reasons, as it goes on the marriage market, how different history might have been. But it was not just the marriage to Diana that made things rough for this royal time warp love affair between Camilla and Charles. There was another lady, too, competing in the mistress market. So let's all bring it together in a country house party here, because they're still happening. That's where it all goes down. Room switching, old castles, homes and such. It's nefarious. Lock your doors or don't. I don't know. It's a mess. Okay, so we all know the Diana Camilla Charles triangle thing. But there was another lady involved in all that hot mess for a while. You may know her by her nickname, Kanga. Her real name, Dale Harper. She's a Australian girl who back in the 70s, 1970s, before Diana appears on the scene, there is Kanga, who is the rival for the affections of Charles with Camilla as her sparring partner. Now, both are married women. Both are having kids and going to country house parties. And the two of them compete all during the 70s for Prince Charles. So Dale Harper, Aussie gal, her dad is a big deal in Melbourne. They have lots of money and Kanga's kind of sassy. After some youthful indiscretions in Australia, she's headed to England. New country, new chances. Landing in London in 1972, Kanga is going to settle herself into her public relations gig and as a sought-after socialite. Because early 1970s London, yo, is a swinging place to be. Kanga's hanging out at Annabelle's, the hot spot with all the young aristocrats, where she will meet Lord Andrew Tryon. It's a good family pedigree. Lord Andrew is very proper. And uh, Kanga's fun and blonde and loaded with family cash and is not familiar with the ways of the British upper crust set. Like, she's mostly kind of clueless about it, but she's so genuine and likable that she just livens everything up. This is when Lord Andrew will begin calling her Kanga. She'll get her nickname then. I guess she's kind of bouncy. And she's bouncy Australian so yeah. So Lord Andrew will propose to Kanga inside of six months. She is presented in November of 1972 at a ball at Buckingham Palace. Oh, and Lord Andrew... And Prince Charles are good friends. They're in the same set. Charles sure. is at the ball. Kanga's presented and holy cats. Prince Charles likes Kanga a lot. Lord Andrew and Kanga will marry April 1972 at St. James's Palace with royal permission. Oh, they're also going to honeymoon at Princess Margaret's Cougar Palace in Mustique. Yeah, her island. Her island of, yeah. Trashy delights. Sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sin Island. Okay, so this is wonderful. Lord Andrew, Kanga, happy couple, spring of 1972. On the flip, you got Prince Charles, the most eligible bachelor in the world. Prince of Wales, playboy prince, a lot like Bertie. Prince Charles always soft on Camilla, who the palace has deemed unsuitable. So Camilla will find her alternate prince with Andrew Parker Bowles. I mean, she loves Prince Charles, but she knows that her love for him doesn't make a difference. They're never going to be able to be married. So she's going to give in. Marry Andrew Parker Bowles, spring of 1973. What is she supposed to do? Marry Andrew Parker Bowles, yeah. right? Congrats. I mean, the queen said no. That's kind of the end of the conversation. So inside of a year, mm -hmm. both of Charles's 
favorite ladies have both become married to good friends of his. And if he liked Camilla and Kango before, whoosh, now it's weekend country house party time. And both of their husbands know the deal, which I guess is entirely fine if thems are the rules and you know the rules. But monarchy men like the married ladies. The married women have much more to lose if the affair is revealed. Right. I, I don't know about Kanga's husband, but I, I'm pretty sure that Camilla's husband also was enjoying his own dalliances. So, oh, I mean, yeah, it's just... It's the country house it's, party set. It's just, Fine. it is the orgy of the well-off. Camilla, for her part, long-lasting royal line of mistresses, Camilla knows how the game is played. Kanga does not. So where Camilla will follow the rules, knows how the game is played. She cannot marry her prince, but she can follow in the family tradition. But bouncy fun Kanga, no rules. So apparently there's an unwritten rule that everybody knows if you're going to fuck around in the aristocracy. That you have to stay faithful to your spouse until you kick out an heir. Until you have the first son because of primogeniture. And then after that, fair game. Well, Camilla is the first to get pregnant. Charles will turn his attention to Kanga. Camilla has that son. His middle name is Charles. Charles is that child's godfather. Good timing for old Chuck, though, because Kanga is now pregnant. So back to Camilla, Charles goes. Kanga has a son, first name Charles, and the prince is his godfather as well. So... Prince Charles is going to trade back and forth between their pregnancies and is hightailing it around the world to, for, well, tail. And this love triangle rolls along like this for a while. Lord Andrew and Kanga do go on this hunting fishing trip in their Icelandic lodge every spring. And Charles always attends. Camilla and Andrew will invite Prince Charles for an alternating period of time to their country home. Good Lord. Camilla's back in favor. Andrew will stay in the city Monday through Friday, and Charles essentially just lives with Camilla Monday through Friday, and then everybody gets back together for the weekend country house party. Like, wowza. Camilla and Kanga, bitter love match for Prince Charles. And things probably could have progressed like this forever, except for a few things. Number one, Kanga can't keep her mouth shut. That's a problem. So with the death of Louis Mountbatten in 1979, where Charles is with Lord Andrew and Kanga in Scotland at the time, Prince Charles will fly home upon his great uncle's death. It's terribly broken up about it. Now the palace is going to begin to add pressure to the playboy prince. Hey, man, been doing this thing now. For seven years between two married women, Charles, and you're not getting any younger and you're in your 30s and it's time for you to step up and do your duty. Find a wife, make some kids. Palace is turning up the heat on the pressure cooker that will be Charles's future marital prospects. Not only is the palace turning on the heat, but Charles's grandmother has spotted the younger sister of that nice Jane Fellows at her wedding a few years ago. And so... The queen bum will reach out to the grandmother of Diana Spencer. Hey, what about her? And hey, Lady Diana, she's a child practically. She has no history to speak of. There's certainly no scandal attached to her. 
100% is a virgin and naive, and we can mold her. And poor Diana. She is set up from the moment go, and the only one who doesn't know it is her. So sad. Charles's grandmother and Diana's grandmother will conspire with the palace, too, so it's all terrible. Like, there's no winning against that hand. Remarkably, both Kanga and Camilla are in the church, July 29th, 1981, when Lady Diana Spencer will marry their Prince Charles. <laughs> Were they married at Our Lady of Poor Choices? <laughs> well, that's how the house party set aristocracy doing mm-hmm. the scene. But neither Camilla nor Kanga are invited to the wedding breakfast mm-hmm. after the ceremony. So the landscape of the battlefield is changing a little bit, right? Now Prince Charles has a wife. Who will be the preferred mistress of the future king? Diana will get pregnant pretty much immediately. But remember, Kanga and Camilla are both wives and mothers and have other things to do in their day than try to make Prince Charles happy. So Kanga is going to open up a chic boutique and start a clothing line on Beecham in the high streets. Kanga is going to make friends with Diana, who will rock high society when Diana wears a Kanga dress to the 1985 Live Aid concert. This is Diana and how she uh, portrays statements through fashion. Diana is aligning with Kanga. Hey, you need a royal mistress? I approve of this one. There are photos of Diana and Kanga having lunch together. I guess this is like the enemy of my enemy is my friend and all that. But they've joined forces. But Camilla playing the long game. Now, by the mid-1980s, it's reported by Kanga no less, that Charles has said, Kanga is the only woman ever understood me. Make no mistake, the queen loves Kanga. They ride horses together all the time. Kanga is good company. The queen really does like Kanga. But on the flip, Kanga's really showy. She'll go on game shows with her clothing line and sort of puts herself out to the press all the time. And by 1987, the affair that Kanga and Charles have had are front page And now Lord Andrew is issuing statements like there are rumored letters between Kanga and Charles and there's so much scandal, but Kanga's digging her own end to the affair because it's one thing, right, to have an affair with the prince, but it's another thing for everyone to know about it because you told them about it. It's not done. So this begins kind of a downfall of 10 years of terrible things. Poor Kanga, the spina bifida she had as a child, will return. She heals from that to be diagnosed with cancer, which will send her on a spiritual journey to India, where when she gets back in May of 1996, she's immediately put into a rehab unit where Kanga will fall, be pushed, jump out a window. Circumstances vary about the story, but Kanga's back is broken. She has a fractured skull and she will be wheelchair-bound for the rest of her life, deepening her dependence on alcohol, and her depression is worsening by the day. So where Kanga is staying within the hospital, within monitored situations, Kanga will escape from her home confinement and go down to the local telephone booth and call up the queen to chat. Hey, palace, can you put me through to Queen Elizabeth? 
Does the queen take these calls? Well, it is during one of these times that a big old car pulls up and will take Kanga into the police station where she is sanctioned for 28 days under the Mental Health Act. I mean, it's terrible. This is June of 1997. And after 25 years of marriage, this is the thing that does it. Lord Andrew will finally file for divorce. Kanga will head off, book herself the most expensive room at the Ritz and will live the life of Riley. She records a number of interviews. She ignores all medical advice and will end up taking back off to India with bed sores that you should not travel to. Oh, it's terrible. She, of course, is rushed to hospital when she comes back from England, where she will die November 15th, 1997, the day after Charles's birthday. Her cause of death is blood poisoning from those infected bed sores. Yikes. Now, to put this in perspective... Kanga passes away four months after the death of Diana Hmm. and where there's a lot of pomp and circumstance for that sad passing. Kanga's funeral is hastily held and she has been forgotten to the winds of time. As we know, for Prince Charles and Camilla, April 9th, 2005 is when Camilla did get her prince to put a ring on it. Not sure what great-great-grandma Freddie was thinking, but up into Lord Andrew Tryon's death in 2018 at the age of 78, Camilla and Charles were grand friends of his and partied it up at his country house parties. It is an insidious, trashy spiderweb, all of it. I do not know how to feel about all that. And that, my darlings, is Trashy Royals for the Week, Princes of Wales, Mistresses, country house parties, and how it all shakes down in the trashy universe in which we live. They're all Victorians in the streets and... Plantagenet tutors in the sheets. I mean, something, yeah, like, (laughs) just... (sighs) Yeah, I think we're going to be hearkening back to ye old Mary Plantagenet Tudor England next week. Okay. For the next upcoming episode of Trashy Royals. Trashy Tudors is my favorite, favorite trash candy. Not sure exactly which trashy story yet, but we sure hope that you join us for it next Wednesday. Also coming this Sunday, regular format, fresh episode of Trashy Divorces. we got some solid choices for the week. I'm excited about that, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it for us then. Yeah? Yeah. Until we see you on Sunday, big love to you. Keep yep. your hands clean. Wear a mask. Get jabbed if you can get jabbed and, you know. Keep your hearts trashy. We'll see you then. Bye, friends. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch 
shop and trash panda enthusiasm society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.